Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Oh, yes. Not even a little bit of a cold that I'm experiencing right now is going to keep me from the steam room on this day, on this week. I like it, though. What? Your voice. You know, we got a little bit of a uh, jazz flavors on 97.5. <laughs> and coming your way right now, uninterrupted, George <sighs> Benson, 45 minutes. George Benson, man, one of my favorite people. I haven't seen him in a minute, but he's a great man. How are you? Ernie, I just want to tell Oh, by the way. Welcome to the stage. Go dogs. <laughs> America, I just want to welcome y'all to the longest hour and a half of my life. <laughs> You know what? I'm going to be nice. Congratulations, Ernie. Thank you, sir. America. And we don't need to to talk about it a lot in this segment because we happen to have a a special guest coming up later. Okay. Who might have a thing or two to say about Georgia. He'd be the top dog. Anyway, go ahead. Before we get to first of all, I just want to tell the people. So I'm down in makeup. And he's scrubbing his damn helmet. No, I wasn't scrubbing it. I was just... Polishing it Mas- to a... Massaging it? Yeah. He's massaging this helmet down in makeup. He leaves makeup. I come to the studio, and he's still massaging it. I was looking at the lights to see how it was reflecting, and it looks good, man. It looks like game night. <laughs> well, let's get to first of all. Well, another... I don't even know what this word means. Melancholy. Uh, one of... The great influence. You know how I feel about teachers. Yes. Uh, one of the great influences of my life passed away last week, Mr. James Roberson. And I really admire and respect teachers. I try to always let them know what they mean to people. But this man uh, just was just an amazing person. And I just wanted to start the show out just saying just mentioning some of the teachers who've had just an amazing influence in my life. When was this? Uh, this was when I was in junior high. Mr. Robertson was just an amazing teacher. There was Miss Plump, Miss Turk, Miss Hill, Coach Copeland, Coach Honeycutt, and Miss Robertson. Uh, these were some of the most influential people, teachers. But Mr. Robertson, man, he was our little the first person, him and Miss Robinson, who had a huge influence on my life. Were you able to stay in contact with him? Oh, yes. I went to his birthday party, like, probably a, probably two months ago. And he was in decline in health, but he, he could understand uh, just talking to him. And I told him, if I had told him over the last 30, 40 years how much he meant to me. Uh, and he was just, a, you know, you know, that's one of the reasons I love your daughter her being a teacher also. Right, yeah. And she, I mean, cause it takes so much patience to deal with other people's brats and try to influence them. I'm so glad you brought that up, this whole thing, because um, one of the things I talk about when I speak, and I, I go back to one of my old Little League coaches back mm-hmm. when I was 10 years old, who I kept in touch with through the years because he was such an influence. And I remember reaching out to him when I was an adult and how much it meant to him to have somebody that he coached at one point say, hey, thanks. Yeah. You know, and and what I tell folks when I'm speaking now is that there there are ways, especially with social media these days, Facebook and stuff, where you can reconnect with people yeah. that you haven't spoken to in a long time. And I always encourage him to reach out to somebody who was big in your life, yeah. who was a teacher, who was a coach, who was a neighbor, whatever, and just say thanks. Yeah. Because that makes that makes somebody's day. And especially when it's when it's like out of the blue and it's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, I do remember teach, uh, you know, teaching you. I remember seventh grade. Yeah. I remember, let them know. Let folks know the influence they had yeah. years ago. Go back and find your teachers. And like I say, I just want to miss, remember Mr. Robertson, Ms. Plump, Ms. Hill, Ms. Turk, Coach Honeycutt, 
uh, Coach Cope and Miss Robinson. Miss Robinson was amazing. And, uh, man, she was just an special lady, took care of us and all the kids, gave us jobs on the weekend to keep us out of trouble. And so th- shout out to all the teachers out there. And I, I think sometimes we get beat over the head with negativity. No doubt. When you, when you get deal with some kids who are brats and you see like you can't do anything to them anymore. But I really appreciate teachers. So thank you, teachers. That's I how I want to start one, the show. It's yes. a great first of all. Uh, oh, I put, this is how stupid I am. I got plumber at three o'clock. I got a plumber coming at three o'clock. That, let's uh, let's talk to the crew here. Should that be part of first of all that Chuck has a plumber coming I got at three a o'clock? Coming at three o'clock. That's how I, why. I, what's the, what's the issue, Chuck? Uh, new dishwasher. Oh, okay. New dishwasher. Shout out to Randy Knight, my plumber. He's giving me. Uh, you do a lot of cooking in your joint. No, this is at my. What do you mom's need a dishwasher? House. Oh, okay. this is my mom's okay. house. So I got you. Randy Randy Knight, one of my actually one of my. Do house, you have a dishwasher at your place? Yes, it's never been used. <laughs> never ever been used. But I uh, need to call him. I'm remodeling. Sure I'm remodeling my mom's house, and uh, she needed a new dishwasher. And uh, Randy, who went to high school with me, is a plumber, and I got to remember it's four o'clock Atlanta time. When he's coming over, I got to make sure I let him in. So that, <laughs> okay. and uh, listen. Stop putting your personal stuff on the uh, first of all list. So this is the way I do my first of all list. Like there's so much happened. Like we tape on Thursday, but if somehow on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, yeah. Tuesday, I don't remember. Oh, Demar Hamlin yeah. went home, man. No kidding. I mean, how, well, first of all, how ironic was he went to same high school as TK? Yeah. Uh, and and how ridiculous was Sunday oh, when the emotion of that oh, place and then you return the opening kickoff yeah. 96 yards for a touchdown. That was so amazing. It's a God but, wink, man. Yes, but shout out to DeMar for going home. Shout out to all the first responders. How about them want the guy who scored the touchdown giving their trainer nah, the football? There was a lot of, there was a lot of good a stuff, lot, man. man. But like I tell you guys, you got these fools who run our country who have 11 votes to elect the Speaker of the House. We got this fool who lied about getting elected. Man, we got to start holding our politicians more accountable. They're supposed to make the world a better place, not awful. So the thing I learned through this DeMar Hamlin thing is, which I already knew, but sometimes you just need to know, man, there's so much good out there. For those people to raise all those millions of dollars for his charity, a guy they ain't never met. But for them, like, when you raise that type of money for somebody just like, you're like, this touched me. I want to make a difference. I just want to say thank you to the American people. Yeah. We are capable of doing good things. Yeah, but we don't, it, we it, don't, we it, don't it, celebrate it. it. I know. I know. You know, that's, and that's one of the reasons I love, I'm going to give you a suggestion on Fridays on CBS Evening News. Ever watch Steve Hartman? Oh, yeah. He does a really good thing. On the road? Yes. Every every Friday at 6.50 Eastern time, you're going to you're gonna well up because the stories he does yeah. are all about the good side of people. Yeah. And so, uh, man, I need that every week. I really do. Oh, we need it every week. Yeah. So um, that's it for first of all. Shout out to all the teachers out there. And like I said, America... Welcome to the longest hour and a half of my life. And it's just getting started. And it's just going to get better. Dude, if you keep shouting that thing, the G going to come off. Well, did I miss a spot? <laughs> oh, the phone. Oh, much better. I Thanks, will Chuck tell Street. you something, though, man. What are you going to tell me? That was impressive. Yes. And, like, uh, whether... Whatever, what, whether you in a type of you, if you like sports, you should like greatness. That was perfection. And uh, the mastermind of that perfection joins us next on the steam room. Oh, and before we go, you know what? What? This is a big day. What? Because you're, you're a grandfather now, so you, you appreciate this. Guess who's four years old today? My youngest oh, granddaughter. Oh, oh. Look how adorable she Look is. Look at Bennett. Look how adorable she is. That's when she was over at our house the other day helping me feed the birds. Isn't she a doll? She is a doll. Man, I mean to tell you, there's nothing like those grandkids. You feed the birds? 
feed birds at, at my house? Yeah. Bird feeders, man. I got bird feeders all over the place. And look at her wearing the old school the, Space that, Jam. That might That's, be. You know what? That Space Jam sweatshirt she's wearing? Yeah. My but, son, Eric, her dad, wore that when he was a kid. Really? And I, and I kept it all these years. Knowing that you're a bird feeder might be the whitest thing I've ever heard. You don't, you don't like birds? I do like birds. I don't feed them. How else are you going to see them? They, when they fly by? Yeah. Well, they come by and they and they sit on your uh, feet. Of course they're going to come by if you're feeding them. I got something else to show you that you'll love. Too. Oh, my God. You are so white I've got, sometimes. I've actually got a bird feeder with a camera in it that I got for a gift. And it takes pictures of the birds when they land and start eating. <laughs> See what I got to deal with, America? Just when you thought this would be Bird couldn't. buddy. It's a bird buddy. Just when you thought it couldn't get worse, it just got worse. <laughs> a bird feeder. Can we extend this show to two hours oh today? Oh, my God. Come on, man. They say, are they sell bird food? Oh, you are unbelievable. Ernie, I've never heard that to right now. Seed? I just heard that for the first time right now. <laughs> I never went in the store and said, hey, y'all got a bird feed? See what I'm working with over here? Holy We should moly. take a survey. It's got to be 64, well, 80, oh, 20. The people Pe don't think you can buy bird seed? Uh, people ain't never bought bird feed. You are out of your mind. You think 20, more than 20% of people bought bird feed? Oh, sure. Oh, my God. It, raise your hand, anybody in the studio who bought bird feed. Like everybody. Yeah. Sabelle's got 10 bird Clearly feeders. Clearly, we just hire anybody around here. We we don't look at the resume. Hey, we just, Bennett, Bennett, look Bennett, what you started. You look adorable. <laughs> <laughs> we welcome you back to the steam room. And I'm Chuckster. I'm just going to settle in and enjoy this segment. Prop my feet up. I don't know if we have enough red and black over here on the set. Appreciate you wearing black today. In honor of the Georgia Bulldogs, 65 to 7 winners over TCU for the national championship. There's nothing I can say. That was perfection. Yes, it was. And the architect of that perfection joins us here in the steam room. <laughs> Kirby Smart, the top dog. How are you, coach? I'm doing great. I appreciate you guys letting me uh, jump in and join. Y'all doing all right? We are doing tremendous. One and, of us uh, is doing better than the other. Yeah. No, as a look, as a as a Georgia grad, class of '78, um, you know it's how special it is to anybody who who went there, and and all of us take great pride in it. And uh, I just, when you have time to reflect now, Coach, and and look back at what you've done two years running now, uh, how the heck did this happen? Man, I hadn't had time to reflect and really think about it, Ernie. I'm, I, the day that game ended. I had to go meet with about 20 kids who were either coming out for the draft or going to the portal. So it never, ever stops. It's continuous. Um, but my, my, my wife has told me how honored and how pleased she is with the UGA nation and dog nation. And she's like, you know, Ernie Johnson's bragging about you. you got Shaq eating frog legs and uh, <laughs> uh, betting Charles up, to, you know, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm honored that you're proud of the alma mater. I told somebody the other day, the, the proudest moment I have is when Georgia fans text me how proud they are because that's my job is to make make Georgia fans proud. How do you get your balance? Like when you win the championship last year, how do you get everything yourself first and foremost and the kids refocused to come back? Because obviously when you're the defending champs, there's, there's a lot of pressure. You guys have been pretty much all year number one. How do you keep your team grounded? Yeah, we were fortunate, Charles. That, that I say fortunate. We lost all those good players. You know, everybody talks about the 15 draft picks. Well, when all of them left, the other guys hadn't played. And so we had a, a relatively new team, and they were all kind of pissed off that everybody didn't think they were any good. And uh, most of them were you – know, they had accolades coming out of high school. They were highly recruited, and they're good football players. They were just waiting their turn. And they were a little ticked off, I think, going into the Oregon game. And then, you know, by the Tennessee game, there was a lot of naysayers out there because we had not played maybe our best in some games leading up to that. And it helped motivate them uh, to turn it around. But I, I don't know. I felt rejuvenated last year. I almost felt relieved after the national championship game that it gave me a, a, a little more juice and a little more energy 
to kind of redo this thing. And uh, I think the job this year is going to be a lot harder than last year because some of the kids we got coming back, you know, the, the, that whole complacency and entitlement uh, syndrome the kids have, uh, it, may, it makes it hard. Are you – I mean, I know it's a nonstop job for you, Kirby. Are you recruiting right now? I mean, or when does that start in earnest? And, and along those lines, the portal – um, and that kind of thing. How has that complicated your life, and and how tough is it to recruit when you've when you're a champion, or do you have, to, or do you just have to say, you know, we're interested and they want to come and play at Georgia? How much easier is recruiting when you win championships? Well, you think it gets easier, but it doesn't. In the SEC, I know, I know, Charles can tell you it's brutal. It's like it's, it's 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 cutthroat. I mean, you're going up against the best recruiters in the country. We got the highest paid staffs. When you start looking across the SEC East and West, and you know you get what you pay for. So when you hire good coaches, the expectation is they win, and it's competitive. And you work. You look at what the SEC's done. There's a reason why the SEC has been the most powerful conference because they've got uh, proximity geographically to the best players. I mean, the state of Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi, Florida, South Carolina, Tennessee, they put out incredible football players. And when you go to recruit them and you've won a championship, it doesn't get easier because you won because somebody's going to tell them they can't play there. You know, I think the development factors, what our number one thing is, hey, come here, come play football for a couple of years. You'll have an opportunity to get a great education. And by the way, you can go play in the NFL. And kids aspire to do that. They want they want to get their degree and they want to go. The thing that's changed it all for me has been the NIL on top of the portal. That combination was like uh, dynamite. So you, you got kids that are saying, you know what, I can do better than this and I can get paid more while I'm doing it. You know, for a long time, we all went to college and, and, and we didn't we didn't get uh, a pay to go to school when, when I was in school here. And now these kids are actually getting the NIL. and It's a hell of an opportunity for them. Um, in their season, season, and, and rightfully so. In a way, are you you recruit a kid to come to your place, and that recruiting never stops with that kid, doesn't it? I mean, th- that's right. what it, it seems it, the way to me. You got to to try to keep them there. That's right, and I think it's having a good relationship with them. I, that's where I'm fortunate. I grew up in 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 Montgomery, Alabama, for a long time, then South Georgia. My dad was a high school coach, so I grew up around players. And if you can relate to the players and make sure they're having fun, and they know that that you care about them, they'll play for you. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll go out there and they'll lay it on the line for you. I think a lot of coaches nowadays actually spend time with the players to invest in them and say, man, I care about you more than just how hard you hit somebody. And uh, uh, that, that's been the biggest difference in our program is we spent a lot of time in January, February, March, like really getting to know the players and hanging out with them and caring about them. And then maybe they stick around and stay over some NIL because they're like, you know what? They, they do care about me here. And I do. I can make it to the NFL from here. You probably the most important call, not the TCU game, the Ohio State game. How in the world did you know about the fake punt? Well, I saw the formation they were in, and we were not ready for it. I was so mad, Charles. We have a, we have two defensive ends. One's supposed to be on the left, and one's supposed to be on the right. And we do it every Thursday, just like you know basketball. You're going to shoot your free throws. You're going to do your pregame routine. We do that punt safe where you put the defense out there to stop a fake because it's fourth and one. Well, our defensive ends were lined up on the same side. So we had two of them on the same side and nobody on the other side. And somebody was yelling in my ear, you know, our guys were lined up wrong. I looked out there and I saw the formation they were in. It was not their normal formation. And they were getting ready to snap it. And it had about a split second that I had to make a decision on whether I burnt that timeout or not. And my, the thought in my mind was, if I burn this timeout, we won't be able to call timeout to get the ball back to stop the clock. You know, and so I had to burn it or they were going to get the first down and it was going to be over. And, and thank goodness we did. Stetson Bennett. I mean, you've been asked about him eight billion times, Coach. But uh, to do what he's done and take the road that he's taken, how do you best sum up his story? <laughs> remarkable. I mean, you know, what's sad is that he was really, really a good athlete in high school. This kid can play basketball. He pitched. He went out last year before our, uh, our baseball game and threw the first pitch, and they clocked him at 80-something miles an hour throwing a fastball. Like, he is an athlete, right? 
But where he's from, similar to rural areas where I grew up, people didn't go see him play. People didn't know about him. People didn't put him on a, a, a pedestal and and write him up and send him to the quarterback gurus. And do all, he was just a really good high school athlete that played quarterback. And he got better and better the more he played. And you know, we doubted him. I mean, I tell people all the time, I should have been fired for not playing. Like people should be going, <laughs> what 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 the hell were you thinking? Not playing this guy. Like like you had the best guy and you didn't play him. I always said that, Charles, about about to Gus at Auburn. No, nobody knew who Cam was until Cam started playing. You don't remember that year that Cam played at at, at Auburn. He didn't come on the scene until like the second or third game. And when he came on, I said, "Well, what the hell were they doing before they were playing him?" <laughs> because he was the best guy. And it's the same thing for Stetson. Sometimes as coaches, you got to look yourself in the mirror and say, "Man, how did I mess that up so bad?" Because he was he wasn't the best guy his freshman year. But but he was certainly the best guy by the time he got to the point where he was playing some. And um, he's just an incredible story because he's he's humble. He cares about the rest of the guys on the team. He's one of the guys and uh, he can spin it, man. He got he, he, he got no he got no hesitation. that He can make every throw to the point where sometimes you get mad as hell at him because he forces the ball. You know, you lost Coach Lanning last year. Are you going to lose any more assistance this year? I sure hope not. I hope not. I hope your boys over at Auburn leave them alone and quit trying to call them all up and <laughs> hire all my guys. But uh, we're, 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 we we feel good. I feel good about our staff. You never you never know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm happy for Coach Landing. You know, I got Coach Landing out there, Coach Pittman's out there, Coach Tucker's out there. Those guys all helped build our program. And uh, they left it better than they found it. And I'm happy as hell for them. But you know, you, you wait every day for somebody to call you and try to take one of your guys. But we try to make it really good culture here, so they want to stay. Hey, Kirby, the Chuckster and I were uh, were listening. Uh, apparently, online um, there has been the release somehow of a pregame speech uh, of one Kirby Smart before the TCU game. Um, I don't know how it got out there, but uh, it was colorful. I don't know any other way to. To uh, well, say I tell it, you, Chuck, what, you know, but I, Chuckster said he would play for you after listening I, to I, it. Hey, hey, coach, I quit football after one day because I said these dudes are crazy out here. But I want you to know, if my coach had made that speech, I was like, you know, I'm gonna try to tough it out. <laughs> that was very <laughs> impressive. Well, I'll say this: I want to clear the record. I want to clear the record. That was not before the TCU game. So I don't know how that everybody's like, oh, it don't matter. It don't matter. I was like, that 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 was not the TCU uh pregame speech. So that was uh that was leaked from a previous game. And somebody asked me what game. I said, I don't even remember because they all sound like that. But, um, <laughs> the, the, I, that. The players were all laughing when it came out. A bunch of my guys texted me and said, Coach, they ain't even heard the best one. And I was like, what are you talking about? And they said, your pregame talk got out. And I listened to it, and I was like, that's definitely not TCU. Because I was talking about 365 days. I wasn't even thinking about TCU 365 days ago. Yeah. Hey, um, along those lines, though, how do you figure out what's going to resonate with an 18, 19, 20-year-old kid and what kind of a pregame speech is going to get into them and say, yeah, they're going to knock the door down for me? Well, you try to change it up. And uh, you don't ever want to be boring. Uh, you listen to a lot of their music. That helps. You try to relate. You know, you, you, you want to spend time with them. I go down to the locker room, hang out. I talk to the guys, I think, two days a week before practice. I kind of have a, a, a talk I go through with them, and we try to change it up. I just I want them to, I want them to interact and laugh. So a lot of my talks are, well, I want them to talk. Because if they just sitting there listening to me, they're going to go to sleep. And nobody likes listening to somebody talk nonstop. So we make our meetings interactive. We never have a meeting more than 30 minutes. These guys, man, they want to be on their phones nonstop. I'm thinking of a way I can start letting them bring their phones in there and just text me from the meeting because they like to be on their phone so much. Uh, it, it helps them out. Uh, but but really, we just try to do it different every week and uh, try to come up with a different message and theme. And luckily, I got the support at Georgia to to help me with ideas like that. You know, we had Coach Saban on, and we, we were trying to lighten the mood. And I said, Coach, I have this perception that you are a master griller on some weekends. I'm going to ask you the same question. Do I, are you a master griller on the weekend sometimes? 
Hey, Bart, Bart, when this gets out, my boys are going to kill me. I can't grill a lick. When I tell you I can't grill a lick, my wife does all the grilling, and all my buddies kill me. I mean, all my guys I play with in college are like, God, Kirby, you can't even get a hamburger on the grill. And like, I, I'm never home. And so I don't ever get to grill, but she does all the grilling. She does all that. And I'm embarrassed when I go with my boys. I can't do a, I can't do a steak. I can't do a hamburger. I might have to get my dad to teach my sons because I can't do it, but I'll eat it now. You know, I I read a little bit about your dad. Tell, tell us about your dad, the influence he's had in your life. Yeah, he, 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 he was big. You know, I grew up going to every practice since I was five or six years old. He, uh, he grew up in Dothan, Alabama. He coached, he went to Sanford there in Birmingham, uh, you know, uh, a Baptist man that raised me in the church with my mom and our family and our my brothers and sisters. He meant a lot to me in terms of getting into coaching and his example, he said, like leading his staff and taking care of the players. I mean, we would have players over to our house to eat all the time. I went on college trips with guys that I idolized that played at the high school. We would go, you know, on visits when I was a little kid and he would take them because they didn't have a, a way to get there sometimes and he, he just meant a lot to a lot of people. And sometimes you don't realize that until you get older. And, and you know, when he's been kind of sick here lately. All these former players have reached out to him. And it's made him feel value in what he did, his career, and how many people he served from coaching 30 years of high school football just meant a ton to me. So he's had a great influence on me, and um, it, it's helped me be who I am today. The fact that you brought that up, Kirby, we started the show, we were talking about, Charles was talking about one of his old teachers who had recently passed and how he had kept in touch with him. And what it means, we talked about what it means uh, if you're a person of influence, to hear from somebody you may have coached, you may have taught, something like that. What does it do for you when you hear from somebody that you coached years ago who said, hey, thanks, and I'll never forget you? Oh, it's huge, man. I say I got a little folder on my phone because, you know, we didn't grow up in this phone era. But now I get a text message from a, a guy like Quay Walker, of the Green Bay Packers, and he sends me a text the day after the draft. And he's like, Coach, I now understand why you were an asshole to me my entire freshman and sophomore <laughs> year. So you pushed me so hard and you didn't let me leave. And you told my mama that, that I needed to stay here and stick it out when I tried to leave. And now look where I'm at. And th- that, that's just one of the stories. But when I get those text messages from those young men that, that I coach, I mean, I'm starting to come across, uh, you know, Antonio Cromartie, who I coached at FSU, is a great corner in the NFL. His son is coming out now. And it's just uh, Dominic Robinson, a, a guy that I coached at FSU. His son is one of the number one tight ends in the country and great baseball player and recruiting them. When you come across these guys you coached early in your career, it, it's pretty cool, especially, you know, being 40, 46, 47 years old. Well, first of all, I don't think you need any more tight ends. I think you're good, okay? <laughs> I think you're good on the tight end front. Yeah. Uh, but my qu- last time I saw you was at the golf tournament. When are you, you going to break out the clubs? As soon as possible, Bart. I was going to ask you the same thing. As soon as this weather warms up enough or I get to somewhere that has warm enough weather, I'm breaking out the golf clubs. I got to get my swing right. I got to get mine looking better in here so people won't pick at it. <laughs> last thing before we, before we let you go. So Shaq had has had told me he said look if if Georgia wins the game uh I will eat frog uh, a frog or frog legs or <laughs> whatever uh any any advice for him any experience yes. in that regard Yes I won't go back to what Charles said anything fried tastes good so if he can fry them legs he's got a chance of getting through it that might be his only way to get through the frog legs <laughs> Coach I want to thank you first and foremost for making my life miserable for another year. But I want to congratulate you on I, I told I told Ernie earlier, that was perfection. Congratulations. It couldn't happen to a better school and a better guy. Congratulations. Thank you for that, Charles. I appreciate that and uh respect you a lot and love the work you've always done and what you stand for. Really admire and I've always watched you, even as a, a young athlete. I watched you growing up and uh appreciate all you've done for our sport and your sport. Thank you too, Ernie, for representing our alma mater the right way, baby. Man, it's my pleasure. And uh, going for a three, Pete. Last oh team God. last team to oh do that God. was Minnesota in the nineteen thirties. Oh. Last team to win it three times in a row. <laughs> Until Georgia does it next year. Kirby Smart. <laughs> 
appreciate you very much. Thanks for spending the time. Thank you. Go dogs. Go dogs. <laughs> that, was, that was awesome. How about you? Yeah, that's pretty good, man. That was tremendous. Hey, I was reading the stat. He's like uh, third in SEC history for interceptions. Yeah. I think the double digits, like 13 or 14 yeah. picks. Yeah, I saw yeah. that. That's pretty. That's impressive. Yes, it is. To have that record after all these years, to be in the, like in the, in the, if, even if you were in the top five to ten. Not bad. Not bad at all, especially as much as they throw the ball today. And you know how we how he always closes those interviews out? Go dogs. Yeah. Thanks for saying that, Chuckster. Yeah. Get that on tape, boys and girls. We'll be hey, back. Ah, uh, yay. <laughs> <laughs> Back here on the steam room. One of my favorite people. Me? Nope. Oh. Yep. You are one of my favorite people. Thank you, But Chuck. we're getting ready to interview one of my oh, favorite people. Oh, and, and she's been on the show before. So yes. she knows the, the one rule is that you keep your towel on in the steam room. And, geez, it, it's amazing to me, Chuckster. Uh, I was watching her on Tuesday night on the uh, NBA studio show with Adam Lefko and uh, Shaq. And Jamal. And Jamal. And now, here it is Thursday, and she's hanging out in some cabin in the woods of Gatlinburg, Tennessee. How about that? <laughs> hey, are you are, are you just... Is are, it, are, is you place, it? Is, are you roughing it? Are you roughing it? it? Are you like going out killing your dinner and stuff like that? <laughs> uh, to be honest, we stopped at Kroger and got some marinated chicken. Oh, Come on, Candice, go hunt. Have you seen some bears Go and out stuff in the backyard there? and kill some deer, some rabbits, yeah. some squirrel. Throw them on the grill. Come on, live the life. Mm-hmm. If you hear any banjo music, run. Yeah, but Tennessee doesn't do that. Yeah, 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 you, know, you do. Y'all hunt. do that, Ernie? Yeah. Oh, Ernie can do that in his backyard right now. Ernie lives in the middle of nowhere. Go, like, you can go hunting. If you went in your backyard, you I don't can, go hunting. I know that, but I'm saying, I could go out in your backyard, and I guarantee you there's rabbit, squirrel, and deer. There are deer. Yes. There are deer. We've seen uh, wild oh. turkeys. We have seen. Oh, wild turkey. Yeah. And we found out today that's probably the bird. Hey, Candace, I got a question. I guarantee you. you. Candace, it's a I got a question. No. No, stop, hard stop, no, stop, stop, Candace. Stop. Candace, have you ever bought bird seed to feed birds around your place? I have never personally. Uh, Candace, don't maybe. embarrass. Candace, don't embarrass us black people. Hold the phone. Hold the phone. <laughs> wait, wait a second. And wow, holding up a bird feeder for the Chuckster to see. Oh, <laughs> oh. yeah. Candace, baby. You, you just embarrass black people all over the United States. I'm doing country stuff with my friends. Okay, so. okay, that's <laughs> okay. I give you a hall pass on friends. country. Ernest was bragging earlier. He's got not only he has bird feeders, he got bird cameras. Oh, look at that! Oh my goodness! Look at that! Can you say hi? Say hi, Uncle Ernie. Hi, Uncle Chuck. That's adorable. He's just in here, just messing up the cabin. So yeah, well, that's oh, what kids. That's what kids are supposed to do. He's like, hey, when are we gonna go hunting? That's right. Yes. He's great. <laughs> so, no, so we had this discussion, Candace. I said I like I like bird watching. I like to feed the birds. I like the birds to come to the house. And I and and I was given a gift of a bird buddy, which is a feeder that has a camera in it, so it takes these up close pictures of the birds. Look at that look on her face. What kind of birds do you get? We get northern cardinals, eastern bluebirds. We got uh, the That's, Carolina chickadees and wrens and first of all, brown you thrashers. Just made, you just made the story worse that you actually know these type of birds. I love birds, man. <laughs> That's what I, I love taking at. pictures of birds, and I love watching birds. It's it's soothing. The only thing we get in California are the, the hummingbirds. Oh, I love like, hummingbirds, you know, too. I got hummingbird feeders. Yeah. And our neighbors get all the hummingbirds and they won't come like, cause you're supposed to put what sweet water or yeah, something yeah, in there. Yeah. And Sugar water. See, I know a little something. Chuck. They are amazing. They're amazing to watch. Hummingbirds you are have to amazing put sugar to watch. Water. You have to put they love sugar it. in the water. Sugar water in a feeder. Oh man. They're, and they're awesome. They're really territorial. They'll be attacking each other. Anyway. Um, hey, Candace, how are you? How are you? It's great to see you again. It was great to see you on the air Tuesday with you, with those guys. I appreciate it. We're we're loving having Jamal. He's the best. Um, he's crossing up everybody in the studio, as you all saw. But it, it, he's a great addition. And, you know, obviously, you know, we take care of Shaq on Tuesdays. It's not always easy. I don't know how y'all do it. I don't, I don't either. We get paid. We get paid. That's <laughs> hey, you don't want to. Hey, the only reason I hate out with Shaq, like, they're like, man, in Shaq a pain. I'm like, yeah, 
but they pay me. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't do it for free. I, I say the exact same thing. People say, man, how do you, man, you, I feel for you when you got to sit between Shaq and Chuck. I said, they're paying me. Don't worry about it. I'm good. We're, we're all fine. So, who's, so here we are halfway through the NBA season, Candace. Who's going to win it all? Right now, um, and obviously Kevin Durant being out, uh, I think hurts uh, the Brooklyn Nets. But I've been really pleased in watching their development and their progression through this season. I think they're one ac- acquisition away from, and I think a backup, backup center. Yeah, a big, yeah. Yeah, all their other guys are starting to come on. Seth, you think about Joe Harris. Um, the others are coming on. And so if they can kind of hold hold suit a little bit, I think they'll be all right. So I have them actually coming out of the East. So you have them beating Milwaukee or Boston? I have them beating Milwaukee, Boston, or Cleveland. However, the team that can get the top seed that doesn't have to play, you know, both tough matchups in the East, I think will will prevail. True. I mean, if you think about it a couple of years ago, KD was one toe away from being in the NBA Finals. And I think we all forget that, um, how crazy that series was. Uh, Kyrie gets hurt and goes out. James Harden's coming back. You know, so I think uh, I think Brooklyn, I don't want to face Bro. I wouldn't want to face Brooklyn in a, in a seven game series. Yeah. You know, um, I told Ernie about a month ago, I said and I didn't even throw Philly in there, too. I, don't uh, think, I yeah. think I think Philly's definitely in that yeah. mix, too. I told Ernie about a month ago, you know, he got his little card thing, his little stickums. I says the Denver Nuggets are going to have the best record in the West. I feel even more confident after watching them play in the last week, their killer instinct. Because I said, the only thing that concerns me is their killer instinct. And I love what they did to Phoenix last night. Like, Phoenix coming here shorthanded, let's just kill them. And last week, I uh, forget who we had them on against. They just stomped somebody last week. Last week was the worst week of basketball in the history of Turner Sports. We had two 30-point blowouts. Yeah, two games decided by 60. But I did say yeah. this. Denver is my favorite, but I got zero idea right now who's going to win this thing. It is so – she's right about the East. Like she said, we can actually make an argument for Philly. I said, but Boston and Milwaukee – see, the thing that concerns me about Brooklyn, they're going to drop like a rock the next month. month. They're going to they, – they, it's going to be very – You don't think they can win games without KD? I don't think they can because he made up for the lack of size because he's so great. And she said they need to make a trade. But she said something else that was really good. They're going to drop a long way. You can't have to beat Milwaukee and Boston. And you have to be careful. If you have to play Philly the first round, that's going to be very difficult on anybody. So I think the next month, I think it's going to be really hard for Brooklyn to win. But I said this to you the other night. My sons, Miami, Chicago. That's funny the way you said it. They all need. My sons. My, my, yeah, like Miami. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they all need to do something <laughs> drastic. Yeah. Especially my sons because it's over for them. Because once you lose that chemistry, I don't think you can get it back. There's something going on in that locker room. But I think she says something great. Somebody's going to have to make a trade. Hmm. Denver don't have to make a trade. Yeah. I think the Warriors got to make a trade because uh, to, to, the young guys aren't working. They got to make a trade. Um, I'm trying to think who else in the West. Well, while you think it's been, you know, we've had Candace on the on the pod here, and I feel like it's been like 20 minutes since we've heard from her. So, <laughs> um, so who you got? Who you who you like in the West, Candace? Hey, I have a rebuttal for Chuck, just in terms of Denver. Uh, there was a stat that I came a- across listening to a- another great podcast, Dunked On. Uh, I like listening to it when I'm doing my cardio, getting ready for the season. But um, in that podcast, there was a stat I came across that Denver is making the most, the highest percentage in the NBA of contested shots. Hmm. So I've got to believe in some way, shape, or form that that's going to come back down to the mean. Right. It's going to come back down to to the average. okay. and then where are you going to hang your hat on when that comes back down? Now, listen, Jokic, a bully, like unstoppable, almost averaging a triple double. But in a seven game series, 
defensively for them has always been an issue. Yep. So I think just in terms of if they're able to outscore people, yes. But defensively, I worry about Denver. And I think defensively, we've seen teams that are great offensively, the Warriors in the past and Milwaukee in the past, but they have to have defense. And Denver, what are they in the, what 20s in the NBA and defensive ratings? So yeah. I just worry about them. I think the West is wide open. Today, I have Memphis coming out of the West. And I say that because they do all the little things. Jaron Jackson Jr. is finally healthy. And I think the way he deters, alters, protects the rim, added another layer that they didn't have the previous years when he wasn't healthy or when he wasn't playing. He's now not getting into foul trouble, which I think is huge. But I think Memphis just has it. I think Bain is taking a step forward. Brooks is taking a step forward. John Moran, obviously, we know at will he can score. Um, and I think they're playing a little bit better and less ISO. So I don't know. I have Memphis today coming out of the West, but I agree with you, Chuck. Like Phoenix has to make a trade. They put, they bet it all on black these last three years yeah. and the window has closed. So I, I'm in agreement with you. I mean, Jay Crowder's just sitting there who was yeah. an integral part of your team. Do if, something. If, if, if I'm, if I'm move him or play him, if I'm, Do Mil- something. if I'm Milwaukee, if I'm Milwaukee or Philly, I'm like, hey, what do you want for Jay Crowder? You can't have a player that good. And for, like, with all the, the BS that's going on in Phoenix, you can't tell me if they had Jay Crowder on the team the last two weeks, they would they had lost six in a row. You telling me if Jay Crowder is not on your team, you don't they lost nine of ten games. Like hey, and, just... hey, 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 listen, and the one game they won, you're like. No, uh, no Booker, no Chris Paul, no Aiden. Uh, they were missing somebody else. And, like, you beat the Warriors. In their gym. In their gym by double digits. Yeah. I was like, that, that, that's their only win. Hey, I got one for you. Your, your all-star starters, front court, east. Don't worry Ooh, about it, Candace. Some, three of them. So, somebody's going to – when he gives you the four guys – Somebody well, she knows the four. But somebody's going to get left off. We know that for a fact. However, with KD being out. That that might have saved but, the NBA. But, that might have saved you too, Ernie, because you but vote. You, but you still can't disregard what he did to get Brooklyn where they are. And and yeah. and to me, it's you can always say, look, this guy was a starter. And you're like, if you're going to replace him, replace him. But yeah, I can't just disregard him. Yeah. Well, but you know, voters are going to do that. Because yeah. that gives them a... It's an easy way out. It's an easy way He's out. Hurt. Yeah. But I'm glad... I'm glad I don't have to make that decision, to be yeah. honest with you, because... It, I mean, Tatum and Adekupo, I would have uh, I would, Durant, I, I would go, Embiid, come on. I would go personally, and I, I know I, they're going to go crazy on me uh, in Philly. I would go Giannis, Tatum, and... KD, those three guys all got the got the best records. So, and you know, we had this argument with uh, with Big Fella every year. He said it's an individual thing. I said, no, you have to award team. So you got to give it to Tatum. But Giannis is right behind him, and Beats missed some games too. But when he is playing, which you know Philly is back in contention, he kind of held it down while James Harden was was out and injured um besides Williams Boston hasn't really had any injuries which you know you know in time there are going to be people that are banged up and things like that but I I just think there's a better way from the NBA going forward if we're playing and we're going for positionless basketball yeah why does it have to be certain positions that make it and certain positions that don't that's true so I'm gonna ask you this other question because I'm glad Ernie gets a vote. Do you get a vote on MVP? I do get a vote on MVP. We're halfway through the season. Who's your MVP? Halfway through the season, MVP as of today is Luca. Luca? And I say this. I almost go against myself, but I think that there are statement wins and there are statement gains. Yeah. And up until this point in the season, I think Jokic has changed his game for the better for his team to win. And yes, he is still putting up MVP like numbers, almost averaging a triple double 
Um, but I think Luca's, I mean, anytime you get a 60 point triple double, Luca doesn't really have all that help, that much help. And he's in what fourth or fifth in the West. I just think that Luca is putting up almost identical numbers plus 13 points or 12 points. So I just, it is. What about you? I probably would. I'm glad I don't have a vote because, man, this is going to be so awesome right now. But I'd probably give it to Luca because, well, pro- first of all, he's been a, we have him on all the time and he's been spectacular. I do have a serious question for you. With uh, obviously, it was great for number one, the WNBA, the NBA family, and sports in general when Brittany got released from prison over in Russia. And we had, Kelsey Plum on about a month ago when everything went down. Do you think, you know, other than yourself, Sue Bird, I'm trying to think. I don't know how many WNBA women who have endorsement deals. You think this could be a turning point for the WNBA? And instead of all these ladies having to go to these crazy countries to supplement their income, some of these American companies could get off their ass and say, hey, you know what? Let's make sure these women don't have to go to these crap countries and play in crazy conditions and have to look over their shoulders all the time. You And let's give them some endorsement. You think this could be a turning point? I think the conversation is there. Uh, the action behind and the traction behind it, you know, needs to happen soon. I think we're seeing in women's sports, uh, the transformation and the revolution of, you know, how we invest in sports and the visibility behind it. Uh, I myself have to say like the way I've taken care of my kids has been as a result of going to Russia for six years, going to Turkey for one year and going to China for two. Um, Some of the top players made 10, you know, 10 times, 15 times what they made in the WNBA overseas for six months. And so when people would ask me, is that your summer job? No, like the WNBA was my summer job. That was my other job. And so I think now with the different rule changes in the CBA, which WNBA is trying to put an emphasis on players being in training camp from day one. Mm -hmm. And here's when the penalty actually starts where you have to be in training camp day one, or you're suspended for the season. And so I think next year is actually going to be the year that's the make or break where you got to find the endorsements, you know, companies need to step up and do their part, but also star players are going to have to make a choice. And honestly, at my time, when I was playing overseas, that choice just money-wise would have been to play overseas. And so I think we're kind of going to be in that period of time, these next two years, where we're going to have to have companies step up and we're going to have to have the WNBA step up with more opportunities to keep players from going overseas. And now, you know, Russia's out of the picture, China's out of the picture. So the, you know, the, the value overseas is a lot less than it was, but you need star players. Like to have a league, you need star players. And so there's a ceiling of what WNBA players can make, right? Like you, you even think about the fight of flying first class is a problem. You can't legally fly first class. They can't buy your first class ticket, but then we're signing coaches for, eight and nine times higher than what players are making. And it's no fault of the coaches. It's just, I don't think there's ever been a successful league where the coaches are making more than the best players. And so I think there's a lot of things that need to be addressed from a business standpoint in the WBA. Hey, Candace, uh, sitting there in the mountains of uh, Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Reglo Annie Oakley. Are you going to be, uh, <laughs> do, you, do you have access to a television tonight? I do. Are I do gonna, in a fireplace. Yeah, you're going to be watching some uh, Celebrity Jeopardy? Oh my gosh, no, I'm not going to watch it because when this airs, you all are going to know my feet. <laughs> How did it go? Have you all ever done it? Have you all ever done yes. like Jeopardy? Chuckster has. I I, I did Celebrity, uh, we did Celebrity Family but, Feud. Actually, that, bud, that button to me, you can't, like even when you know an answer, if you hit it too soon, it doesn't work. You can't and push it. 
you can't push it. Like I like I knew the answer and I tried to push the button and they wasn't through with the question. And then your button doesn't work. I thought it was a little thing you held in your hand. If you push it before the question is done, you're locked a out. Period. You're locked out. You can't push it out. And then if you push it, you have to keep doing this. It's the button is the hardest thing. Yeah. But isn't that, isn't that explained to you before you take the stage, Candace? Ernie, we're talking split seconds, Isn't that Ernie. explained to you? They don't just say, hey, here, here's a button. Figure it out. I got destroyed. So Did you really? That's, Was it I bad? honestly, and there are questions that I knew the answers to. Thank and you. I couldn't, I couldn't push the button. I couldn't push it. Like, I push it, or I would, like, automatically just push it and stop. And she was like, just keep doing it. And it's just, I, I couldn't get it. So. Oh man, Chuckster had a great Chuckster had a great moment back when he did uh, Celebrity Jeopardy. Um, I'm not even going to set it up. Just all I'm going to tell you is that Martha Stewart beat him to this one. Play it. Charles, where do we start? Pay sport for two hundred. All right. On January thirteenth, nineteen ninety nine, this Chicago Bulls player retired after thirteen seasons in which he averaged thirty one point five points a game. Martha. Uh, who was Michael Jordan? You're right. What happened, Charles? <laughs> <laughs> oh my! God. My button didn't work. Because <laughs> I, I was pushing the button halfway through it, and I was like, "My button's not working." I sympathize with you because, well, first I didn't get a category. Everybody that was on the show with me got their category. Like it was insane. There was no sports, no colleges no foot, nothing no history so i was just in there like all right i don't get a category but it's cool because you know it's celebrity jeopardy but you're right like there's some questions where i was like how and then i froze on one of the questions i had a similar experience with that here's a couple of the ones that charles did not ring in on when he was on cigars from this island 90 miles south of florida are treasured <laughs> And by some as the best in the world. <laughs> no ring in from Chuckster. In you run in, it just didn't yeah. count it. Yeah. In November of 2000, Phil Mickelson caught this tiger by the tail, winning the PGA, uh, the tour championship by two strokes. No ring in from Chuckster. I'm telling and you. And then he gets beaten to the punch by Martha Stewart on MJ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. But you know what? And I... I have not been on Jeopardy, but when we were on Family Feud, it is a it's a different feeling out there, isn't it, Candace? When you're sitting out there, like I was looking at Jimmy Rollins face to face, we started the show off going head to head, and I was like, "Man, this is nerve wracking." It is nerve wracking. There is nothing like it. I'll tell you, um, I was the most nervous in my life doing a TED talk. I think that was like the most nervous I've ever been, and then second, it was when I got on the Jeopardy stage and. It was just, yeah. It was one of those things where the first question, and my daughter was in the, in the stand. So I look up at my daughter and she's like. Oh, no. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> that's awesome. You're grounded. Oh, man. I was like, I suppose you know, your team is one in six or one in seven and I'm there clapping for you. And I look up and you give me the thumbs down <laughs> in the stands. I'm like, goodness. Hey, you know the good is. thing about that, Candace? You may have been nervous at the TED Talk, but you killed that thing. It was awesome. Thank you so much, Ernie. It was tremendous. That, but you must be big time if you're doing a TED talk. Yes, sir. Hey, look, have have fun in the mountains of Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Maybe you get a little snowfall up there. You never know. Hey, kill me something and bring it home. <laughs> and it can't be something that you scrape up off the side of the road either. We're not taking that. <laughs> no, no, no roadkill. Go hunt like a real woman. <laughs> Thank you, doll. I miss y'all. See you soon, okay? I miss you too. See ya. Bye. Bye. She's the best. Chuck and Ernie in steam room. Come and join us in steam room. Chuck and Ernie in steam room. Leave your towel on in steam room. It's that time. Yes. The, uh, Chuck's answering machine. Yes, sir. Which is uh, always the way we wrap up the steam room. And uh, let's get right to it. It's 404, by the way. 404-987-0330. 404-987-0330. Impressive. Call number one. Go. Hello, world. This is Charles Barkley. Leave me a message. 
Hey, Chuck and Ernie, it's Stav here, Original Oil Steamer. So I'm having dinner with some friends the other day, and we're working our way through the starters menu looking for some entrees to share, and one of them tells me we shouldn't order olives because he doesn't like them. I looked this bloke dead in the eye and said, mate, you can't trust a person who doesn't like olives. Charles, I was relieved to learn last week that you do like olives, which in my eyes makes you both trustworthy and a smart bloke. Now, I know that's a bizarre philosophy to live by, so I'm curious if you guys have any other quirky rules that you live by. I'd love Ernie to answer for Charles and Charles to answer for Ernie. For some reason, I think this will be easier for you, Ernie, but perhaps you can dig up a strange rule of chucks that we haven't heard about before. Happy New Year, fellas. Staz. A strange rule? Uh, I mean, all, all I know is just the neat freak thing and the uh, and that if I like crumble up some Pringles or something and while he's while he's not at his uh, seat in the viewing room, just leave a little trash that you can just watch him explode when he gets back in. So that's a that's a button I know to push on the Chuckster. Hey, that is definitely a button to push. Um, I, Ernie, you cannot touch touch Ernie papers. This is true. I made the mistake one time just being an of ad. ripping up my notes during a post-game show on the road. And That's Ernie what you did. went ballistic. And, did. and first of all, Kenny dared me. Yeah, I know. So I think it was Kenny's fault, to be in fairness. But don't ever touch his papers. Yeah. Staff, you don't share appetizers. You order your own appetizers. And if you choose to share, you have to choose to you share. You can't share olives? Sure you can. You can share olives. But he said they were... Yeah. Getting a bunch of appetizers. See, because, see, that's the reason I don't believe, I don't like to share food. Uh, n- number one, I'm a big dude. But the reason I don't <laughs> like to share food is what if somebody orders something you don't like? I don't believe in sharing food. My friends say that all the time. I'm like, no, we're not sharing food, brother. You can buy your own stuff. No, but if you got three appetizers there and you say, hey, try some of this. Boom. So you yeah, take but a I bite. want my own. But I make sure I order my own first. Like, if, right. and I've been to dinner with a bunch of people. We order a bunch of, but I always order my own because I know what I want to eat. And you I don't want to share. Well, I will share, but I always order my own because I know what's going to be good. Okay. I don't want to be with three or four losers and they order crap I don't like. <laughs> and but as far as sharing food, I hate sharing food. Like, yo, man, you know I don't eat fish, and you order fish and you want it. Some of my steak, some of my chicken or something. Like, I, I got screwed in that deal. That ain't right. Call to. Hi, Charles. This is Corey calling from Wisconsin. You fish. Is there any particular fish that you fish for? And have you ever been ice fishing? And another, first of all, you watch hockey, you like hockey. Do you ice skate? Or have you ever ice skated? <laughs> Enjoy listening to you guys. Thanks. Thanks. It's a lot of questions from Wisconsin. That's a, that's All good of, ones. Uh, I would be terrified to ice fish. So would the ice. <laughs> so would the ice. <laughs> so growing up to make in meats, my grandmother went fishing probably three or four days a week because it was me and my brothers and my mom. So obviously my mom was a maid and my grandma worked at the meat factory. So we had to supplement with fishing. Uh, brim, bass, Catfish, uh, those are the only fish that, well, I guess was in our area. So, but I went deep sea fishing one time and it sucked. Um, Why? Well, I went with the Globetrotters. We were somewhere, some island somewhere. I can't even remember. It was like back in like in 85, 86. And I wrestled with this fish. I think it was a marlin. I wrestled with this fish for like two hours. And then when we got it on the boat, they said we couldn't eat it. So I was like, well, that's stupid. Uh, So why would you wrestle with a fish that you can't eat? Because it was strenuous and stressful. Like, man, it was uh, was amazing. That's what I've heard. I've never done that. And so I'm not a big deep sea fishing guy because I don't like being that far away from land. Did you get seasick? I did. See, that's no fun for me. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, so I got I got seasick, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing this. Yeah. But 
the answer to your question. Um, and you are a hockey lover. I love hockey. Hockey, yeah. ho- you know, hockey is amazing. Yeah. My shout out to my boys on uh, TNT, uh, Liam, P- Bissonette, Wayne, Anson, and my boy Rick Tockett. Uh, so I love hockey. So what do you like to fish for now? Uh, the same thing, Bass Brim. Because I don't, uh, I'm a Lake Creek guy. Uh, you know, like I say, I don't do the deep sea thing and I've never, and like my friends say, I should start trying, uh, fly fishing fishing, and I'm like, yeah, that's too much work. You know, I want to throw my thing in there, grab a beer and sit there until something pulls. Cigar. Uh, that's, you know, it's interesting. You said the only time I smoke cigars is when I'm playing golf or I go to a cigar bar Hmm. and I love doing both of those. Sounds like a cigar would be great for sitting out and wet in the line yeah that's interesting you say that i have never done it hmm. i prefer like i say unless i go well I, i'm always gonna smoke when i play golf and when i go there's some great cigar bars in my life uh the red phone booth here in atlanta mm-hmm. uh is an amazing place uh, they got a couple clubs here a, a couple of uh, locations uh, but I love it. And I guess a place in Alabama I love to go. There's a couple places in Arizona I love to go. I love going to a cigar bar for like three or four hours and just chilling. Call three. Hey, Chuck and Ernie. My name is Pat, and I'm from Nashville. I've been a longtime viewer of Inside and a loyal steamer from the beginning. I love you, Chuck, but my call today is to brag on Elevator Ernie. About a year and a half ago, I slid into Ernie's DMs and told him about a friend of mine they just got diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Being a longtime fan of Ernie's, I knew he had gone through the same and won his battle. I thought he might reply with a, tell your buddy he's got this, or praying for him. But he simply replied with, what's his number? I find out later that day from my buddy that Ernie had taken 10 minutes, called him, talked him through it, what he might expect, and said he's got this while praying for him. I'd also find out later that Ernie did all this while he was on a beach vacation with his family. I know that time is super valuable to him, and he still took the time to call someone he didn't know to make his day a little brighter. I just wanted to update Ernie and say my buddy is in complete remission and enjoying his family to the fullest. And a good part of that was because of people like Ernie who spoke encouragement into him and prayed for my friend. Ernie talks the talk and walks the walk when it comes to being a better human. Just wanted to take a second and leave a voicemail that shouted out Ernie and the awesome person he is. Y'all have a great day and keep up the good work. Well, wait a minute, brother. You're preaching to the choir. We know how awesome Ernie is. I've been stuck with him for 22 years. So that's no shock. There's no surprise. I mean, there's no shock or surprise that Ernie did something like that. And clearly, and first of all, he's, (laughs) first of all, you know, he's done that many, many times, but Number one, I'm glad your friend is in remission no and, doubt. and doing well. No that's great news. But number one, thanks for being an inside guy. Thanks for being a loyal steamer. But, you know, man, saying what a great dude Ernie is, is, is like, okay, hey, yeah, and what else? Here's the thing, Chuckster. What I learned from uh, going through cancer back in 03 and is that uh, when you do that, uh, you have a responsibility and an opportunity to help the next person through it. And so anytime I get calls like that or messages like that, yeah. and it's like, let's talk. And so, uh, because people did the same thing for me, you know? And I always, what I always also tell folks is that if you know somebody who's struggling with something, yeah, it doesn't have to be cancer. It can be just something that's going on in their lives and you and you're aware of that hit the send button yeah don't just say you know i really need to reach out to this guy and then all of a sudden three or four weeks passes and you still haven't done anything and yeah. you know so when it strikes you and when you know hit the send button or text or call or do whatever but reach out because it, it means the world to folks uh, who are struggling going through stuff but thanks for the call we appreciate you that. just never know man what people are going yeah. through um before we split um, Georgia, uh, 65-7 over TCU. Um, <sighs> last week, you, you know, you know, I bet on, you and I bet on the game, our standard bet. But part of that bet was also, you said, if Georgia beats TCU, because remember we had the chef on last week. Yeah. You said you'd eat okra. Fried no, okra. no, no, yes, no, 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 no. I'd have to uh, look at the tape on that. Oh, well. 
play it. And what do we normally do, Chuckster? A hundred dollars. Okay, yeah. that's fine. I'll give you seventeen. Thank you. Yes, I'll, I'll, I'll take I'll, it. I'll give you seventeen. And when I win that, you eat some more uh, guacamole next week. Deal. And some fried okra. When I eat, oh, nobody eats okra. <laughs> Bring out the okra. Come on, Bring man. Bring out the okra. Oh my. Last week, guacamole. Because you tried, you tried guac last week, and you said if Georgia wins, you'd try f- fried okra. Damn, you bought a lot. All right. That was a waste of money. Make I'm it a- quick, man. We're up. We're up against it. Oh. Eat some fried it, okra. Wash it, down, wash it down with some bread. Okay, go. Just pop one in there, man. That's not bad, is it? It's not bad. No. It's not bad. Fried okra is good, man. I don't say I didn't say that, uh, but my point is, everything's good fried. Mm-hmm. Everything's good fried. Oh yeah, I'm not just gonna eat okra. I'm eating fried okra. That, that little slimy little green thing. Mm. That's I disgusting. I know. This ain't bad. It ain't good though. Okay. It's two weeks in a row, y'all made me eat some stuff I don't eat. Hey, it's been a pleasure again, Chuckster, as it always is. Ernie? Joining you on the steam room. I, I hope a, this hasn't been this painful. I want to be a bigger man. Yeah. That was impressive. Congratulations to the dogs. Thank you much. And here's a guarantee. Next week, no Georgia talk. Because <laughs> we've only been doing that for the last three weeks. That's it for the steam room. For Charles Barkley, Ernie Johnson. See you then. This don't even have a taste.